0: At Newbalance.com. Yes,
1: what is up,
0: everybody? Welcome to Brad podcasts and soccer we trust i'm jimmy cream cheese conrad alongside hollywood geek Pierce, and we welcome the return of charlie Chuckwagon Davies, who apparently had and i'm using air quotes you can't see me issues with his dial-up modem yesterday which i believe is code for I actually went to the beach instead chuck explain yourself
1: <laughs> you know the the wi-fi can be faulty out here on the island i'm in, <laughs> I'm in nantucket you know It sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Those summer, those uh, summer days. Sometimes that Wi-Fi just goes right out, huh? That, it really
1: does. The wind that, comes in. You yeah, know?
2: right when the, you know that margarita hits, that Wi-Fi goes out,
0: <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's you funny. just gotta write write it off, you know. It's it's quite a coincidence when that happens, and the drink hits your it, hand and the Wi-Fi.
1: It's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy.
0: Well, yeah. before we go any further, we gotta give a happy birthday to one Charlie Chuckwagon Davy charlie uh i don't know how old 20 29 today what's how old are you gonna be well actually it's not even today it's tomorrow but u.s soccer put it out today so i'm just gonna go with whatever u.s soccer says because i believe everything that i see (laughs) on the internet chuck
1: yes um i am 36.
0: whoa Uh, yeah it's um, you could go play for barcelona with robert Lewandowski. i think he's the same age
1: that's crazy (laughs) i mean i'm i'm so you know i look at these dates um these birthdays and and i I think, wow, I get another year. I'm just pumped. Um, used to be, you know, when you're older, you're like, oh, I'm getting older. I'm like, I get another year. Let's go. I'm excited. I feel like I'm I'm aging and, and I'm just more appreciative of everything. So let's go.
0: <laughs> I think I'd be appreciative in that shirt. I don't know if anybody can uh. see Chuck Davies, but uh, Chuck D has got a magical shirt on. Make sure you hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. Hit subscribe on any podcast platform of your choice. Go check out our YouTube channel. So you can see what Chuck's wearing, it is quite something hey, special. Hey, Jimmy,
2: real quick, real quick. Yes, go. It's, it's also a bit weird when your Wi-Fi goes out on your birthday weekend. You know, <laughs> that's uh, true. That's true. That's. Uh, I just want to point that out too. You know, Charlie's that. Charlie's Charlie was always one of those guys that didn't have a birthday. He had a birthday weekend or a week. Uh, I could see him getting up to a month at some point because he's that kind of guy, you know. That's so.
1: true. Yeah. It's, it's true. It's Thank just you, to nice everyone to, to, out there.
2: Uh,
0: yeah, it's <laughs> nice to see that. I'm glad you're joining us from the from the, the from the basement of your furnished basement of your beach home, uh, your summer home. Yeah. All right. Anyway, on today's show, we're having a little fun on this Friday, as I mentioned, by doing a compare and contrast. We're going to compare our last World Cup team in 2014 to this current iteration, and then we're going to discuss our 2010 team because they were the last team to play England in a World Cup as well. And they were the generation of Charlie and Heath. That was more of the 2006 variety. Uh, If you guys don't remember that game against England, it was 1-1. Steven Gerrard scored a very good goal in the first half. Robert Green gave it back to us off a pretty pedestrian shot from Clint Dempsey. But it decided to bobble it over the net, so we got a 1-1 result that ultimately led to us winning the group, the first time we've ever won a World Cup group. But let's talk 2014 first. And Chuck, since it's your birthday, I'm going to come to you first because... When I looked at the the lineup that we had, let's start with the Ghana game. That was our first game in Brazil. Mm -hmm. We had Dempsey and Josie Altidore. It looks like we lined up in a 4-4-2, but I bet you Mm -hmm. it was more of like a 4-4-1-1. Clint can go get the ball wherever he wants. We got Clint and Josie up top, Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones, Alejandro Bedoya, and Kyle Beckerman in midfield. That is a we're going to kick ass and take names type midfield. We got Beasley at left back, Beasler, Jeff Cameron center backs fabian johnson at right back and timmy howard in goal pretty solid squad chuck
1: very solid um when you look at three players in particular that i say will walk in any lineup any any generation is clint jermaine jones and tim howard the, those three in particular are studs they're the standouts i'd say when you look at this roster compared to the to current 2022 there's a lot of names that can be, you know, plugged in. You know, I, I, and I also look at how they built this team. Alejandro Bedoya is in this in this starting eleven because of his work rate, is his commitment to the team, and not so much. You know, I don't want to take away from his talent and skill, but that's what you bring. In, within this group is you need to have plug in players who are just going to give 110% the effort, the commitment, getting up and down, and kind of set the tone. That's what Bedoya did for this group. He was he was the glue. Um, then you have Michael Bradley and Beckerman. They were more, you know, protect the back four, get on the ball. You know, Michael liked to spray the ball. Beckerman wanted to, like, just win the tackles, simple. Mm-hmm. play simple. And Jermaine was the wild card. He, he would go everywhere. <laughs> well, there was no limitations but um i, I really like that in the back line would you play a lot of current vibes now but would you, you say
0: demarcus beasley you wouldn't consider demarcus beasley in this not a, you, not as a fullback
1: not as a left back no so, I, but, I, and so, he, so he then where does he get because, in where does he
0: get in like pulisic or timo like where are you going to put him who bees I love bees. I'd
1: find. Well, he doesn't fit. He doesn't
2: fit in. He doesn't fit in a diamond. That's for sure. But like, no. you would play a different formation if you're gonna get bees on the field. But he's would, I, I bees think would be bees, competing with yeah. Christian
1: Pulisic right now for that that spot. Bees that's in wild. His prime. That's
0: wild to think about, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yes. So bees in his prime would be a left winger com- competing with Christian Pulisic. So, I think that. You know, is was, was a tough a tough ask for for bees, you know, in his best because you know of of the skill level that uh, and quality that Christian possesses. But again, bees was so consistent, and that's why he had been been a part of four World Cups. I mean, that, it's also it, hard. 2014
2: is also uh, 2014s also hard because you're talking about uh, a 32 year old bees versus you know okay Yainhoven well, bees early. We can B's, talk about uh, 2010 bees,
0: and I mean, it still goes into the conversation.
2: I mean, I'm I'm going back to 2002 to 2006 bees like that was peak bees to me. Uh, by by 2010, I think bees he had, he sort had of transitioned. Well, transitioned I, I think it. yeah, I think he had hit that ceiling. Um, and was still obviously an unbelievable player. But when you talk about like teenage to early 20s bees, and that's the thing, the theme for me on this roster, Jimmy, is when I look at that that starting eleven. The difference is between this group and that group is most of these guys are in that prime range, right? And I know mm-hmm. prime is getting younger, but you're talking about Clint Dempsey would have been uh, 31, um, right? 80, 83, yeah, yeah, he would have been 31 24. in 2014. Josie would have been the Two youngest, but Michael Bradley 27, Bedoya 27. I, I think it's around that that age. Beckerman in his 30s, Jones in his 30s, Cameron in his 30s, Beasler in his 30s, Beasley in his 30s, Johnson I think probably around 30. Experience, like experience,
0: and but while I know Landa, that but no Lana Donovan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, which, but which came when, back when I, to,
1: to haunt them, right? In the end, yeah,
0: yeah, we could we could argue that. But sure. what you were looking at
2: in this group is is take uh, I mean uh, obviously you take um, I guess. Jeff Cameron out of that and
0: uh Well, Brooks was on the I'm, team. He scored yeah, this Ghana game. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So I mean, what you're talking about is some serious experience, professional experience, international experience, World Cup experience. And I think there's a huge value in putting that because you go, mm-hmm. okay, there's nothing that these players haven't seen before. Now, our players, you go back to Nations League and then you go Gold Cup and then you go World Cup qualifying. They did a great job at all those, but none of them had done any of those before. And that's what they're relying on to go into a World Cup now. Where yes, it's the Middle East, and yes, it's Qatar, and yes, it's not going to be necessarily as hostile as maybe qualifying was, but very different and emotionally very different. I've never been to a World Cup, Jimmy. Only you, you can speak to it from this group of that first step onto that field and that nerves you get of like, man, it's one thing to talk about, it's one thing to have the pressure, it's another thing to just actually now you've li- you're living out your dream, but now you got to turn that into to something. And this group, Christian Pulisic, Champions League final, no problem, but a World Cup for this entire group, that's going to be
0: something different. No, no, I'll jump in with that experience and say that what I found interesting throughout that process when I ended up making the team is that you, the buildup to the event is is long and you talk about it a lot and you're working really hard to, to step on the field and to represent your country in this events. And, and there's a lot of, a lot of people behind the scenes, not in a bad way, but just like, oh man, I hope you get to play. There's just so much of that. And then finally it comes. And what I realized, and I think I've discussed this before on the podcast is that you're ready when the whistle blows or you're not it actually doesn't matter where you played before if you played in europe played at an mls only or what you're going to do afterwards if you're going to make the move go to a bigger club it doesn't matter are you ready in that when that whistle blows at that particular moment because in my world cup it just didn't it it just felt like there was maybe the expectations were too high in 2002 we kind of came out of nowhere and beat portugal scored three goals held on till the very end three two end up getting Playing Mexico, a familiar opponent in the round of 16. Everything kind of worked out. We played fantastic in that. Played even better against Germany, but lost in the quarterfinals. And it felt like we were supposed to surpass that. And then maybe the expectations of that same core group. I wasn't part of 02, but I was part of 06 with a lot of the same players. It almost felt like it was too much in some ways. It wasn't spoken. You could just feel it. And so once we lost that first game to Czech Republic 3-0, it it, the vibes were not the same because when you got to win that feel, first game. Did it game. feel like failure, like uh, coming out of that? Because
2: personally, you've achieved a dream, a goal, right? But you know you're at a World Cup and going three and out is not uh, uh, a success for any U.S. national team to go into a World Cup.
0: Uh, individually, it was fantastic. You know, I, I I obviously wanted to go through and help help the team uh, continue to move on. And, and in some ways – build off of what we did in 2002, which it didn't feel like we did. It felt like we regressed in some way, that we took a step backwards, and and everybody was disappointed. I remember seeing Ivan Gazidis. He was floating around, and he was so crestfallen that we couldn't get out of our group. That The things that it was... And so I'm just using him as an example because he was still part of MLS at that time. And even though he was proud of how the MLS players performed, the ones that only had MLS experience and the ones that had the majority of the minutes of that were me and Clint Dempsey, it still felt like... was we left something on the table there in that first game well you know it's interesting after we lost to czech republic apparently i can't we weren't there where you know you're in a bubble when you're in these situations so bruce arena went into the press conference and threw individual players under the bus (laughs) which is something he he never does that or maybe he didn't at that time and and afterwards we got back to we flew back from the city back to hamburg where our base was he brought everybody in right when we landed, and we had a meeting. And he apologized for throwing guys under the bus. And I was like, "All right, you know, was, what, what, was, was he fostered? my name? Was he shocked? Was he, like, he was do you flustered. think he was shocked?'" He shock? was so. Bruce rarely gets rattled, right? I think that's one of his gifts: is that he pretty much stays steady. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. And he was irate after we lost to Czech Republic and how we performed, and and we didn't really ever punch back against them. And and uh, he just got out coached as well, right? I mean, the whole team outplayed, out coached the whole thing and and that that's that's tough especially when you have all this hype going into it and so I didn't know until after I asked some of the other players who had been around does he not do I don't know I'm not around Bruce enough to know and I'm not usually the one being singled out because I'm not good enough right (laughs) so so but and they said no he's never he doesn't do that and he doesn't bring people in to apologize and so there's already this kind of weird tone and shift around the game and that was just around the first 90 minutes boys we still had two other games to redeem ourselves, and we put ourselves in a position after drawing Italy in the second game to do something against Ghana. It didn't work out. But the margins are so fine at that level that I, all this hype and all this buildup, if you don't perform in that first game, we're talking about 2014, we got through the group of death because we beat Ghana in that first game. We have to win this first one against Wales. I mean, it, it, for me, it's paramount to how the vibes are going to be for the rest of it because if you get your ass handed to you like we did in 2006 in that first game, it's really hard to come back from it and try to regain that composure and that momentum that you had going into the tournament. And Thanks for having me, everybody. Yeah, it's sure. a pleasure to be hey, here.
1: Hey, <laughs> go- talk yeah. about gobbling up oxygen. Yeah, <laughs>
0: hey, Sorry, Alex, it's Charlie's it's, birthday. It's Charlie's hit the, birthday. Hit the mute button on
2: Jimmy <laughs> for a little bit. We should start having a new muting rule. I'm, I'm I should be muted sometimes. Sorry, some you kept I you kept generally saying, but, but, but Charlie, let me ask you this. Um, U S uh, against England, uh, not a great performance, uh, in, in the, in 2014, but come out of it with something. Do you think now
1: in 2010, you mean? Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, do you think that this group should be approaching this game the same way and has the, or do we have more quality as an 11? To look at it uh, as you know, that felt like a smash and grab job, right? One mistake, yeah. surviving for most of the game. Now, there's a pretty still a, a big quality discrepancy between England and the U.S. on on some levels. Do you think that that we are paper, better? For sure. Yeah, on paper. Do you think that gap is even bigger between this because like it, England and U.S. then was still a gap, but it didn't seem as big as now. You look at England and how good England national team is versus England then. It's a pretty it's a pretty
0: spectacular rise but our national team has risen as well uh,
1: for sure we've improved uh, and you look at you know are you some looking of at the 2010
0: players... now? are we doing 2010 well um, i was just well, he, i was just thinking just about that i was just i was just posing it, a question got it, got about got england us
2: and, and, and england. back said, off
0: your your oxygen charlie take it away
1: yeah, yeah no i'm not going to take that much oxygen like i, I can barely <laughs> breathe you it <sucked> all <laughs> up it's like everest in here <laughs> <laughs> it's like i'm in a trunk i have very limited <laughs> oxygen um well you gotta throw in the goats, right? So Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, and Lennon Donovan, just alone. And then Carlos Bocanegra, because of his leadership, he had played in England for so many years at Fulham, a good Geniewu, You know, that alone, it brings a certain character to the group. And and I think that England didn't have that fear factor. You look at our group, yeah, Christian was at Chelsea, but not a consistent starter. Not not when you're looking at, you know, Harry Kane and Phil Foden and, you know, Bakayo Saka, John Stones, these players play every single game. I would say there's going to be that initial, can can this group, you know, excel in these moments? That's that's the test, right? The character test. You look at some of the older guys in these, you know, past World Cups, it's, they, they, they rose to the occasion. They didn't let the moment, you know, catch them. They weren't, oh boy, you know, we're playing against, you know, some of these big time players, they just went and smacked them. And you talk about the smash and grab. It's a, it's a point and it's a big point. And it, it ended up allowing the U.S. to finish top of the group 2014. The, the big win against Ghana to start. I, I So I'm going to be watching this y- current U.S. national team group as far as, OK, you've had this experience now worth World Cup qualifying. The World Cup's a whole nother level. You gotta show up, and it's and, and it's these games where you don't have possession. It's a grind. It's a battle. It's more of the, the out thinking, the tactically, you know, the positioning. If they can do that, all those things well, to to, I guess, you know, equal the playing field in terms of certain quality of, of those players that England possess, then yeah, we the, we really have a great chance. But again, um, I think what separates the older groups from this current group is that experience, which you can't get unless you play in a World Cup. I think when I look at these teams, Keith, I
0: just want to jump in. When I look at this 2010 team, that back line, Boca Negra on the left back, Chirundolo on the right, Demerit and Onyewu is a formidable back line for us. And I wonder, would you go Chirondolo It's Very with, defensive though.
1: It is a yeah, very Boca, Boca back is a, a left. He's a center back center playing back. left back, right? So right, right. If you're not getting a left back that traditionally gets up and That's down the true. line. He's, That's true. He's he's stay home left back. Mm-hmm. So, okay, but well then Trundle though. Would,
0: would you want Trundle or Dest? I mean, I, I mean, if it's, it's that back line, team. I'd go with. I, I
2: mean, Trundle was really good both ways, but like if you're having that much of a sit home back line, that's where you can have a little bit of that hybrid where you'd want Dest way up the field to create yeah, some yeah. Uh, numerical advantages or some imbalances within the team. I th- I think I would like Dest there. I love Trundle. I think he's a legend, and 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 all of that. But like having Serginho Dest when you have a back line from 2000. Ten with that group, then yeah, I would want somebody with a little bit of that yeah. sauce that he has.
0: Yeah, wow, that I'm just like I, I guess I play with Carlos when he played left back and he right, he's not bombing forward, but he had Demarcus Beasley in front of him, so he didn't have to do as much of that work. And to your point that you mentioned earlier, Heath, the formation, right? Bees plays a specific formation. It would have been nice to see peak Bees though maybe running around with uh, Timo Weah and, and uh, Christian Pulisic and those guys to see, and Landon as well. We haven't well, really discussed Landon, so Charlie, you want to hop in and talk a little bit about Landon. Would, would he fit into this 2022 team?
1: And uh, where? Landon? Yeah, but I mean... But where? You put him at nine? Well, he, he would play over Weah, he'd play over Reyna, and he'd play over Aaronson. So I, I would think you'd play him as a right winger in this system. So you have Christian on one side and, and Landon on the other. Then I'd throw... Clint Dempsey up at the nine <laughs> right now. <laughs> so talk, Clint Dempsey hey, would be perfect. Yeah, but then I put I put Landon at the I put right. at the ten. Ooh.
2: Then uh, if I had Clint, I, w- I would I'd be okay with that in the three way midfield.
1: Wouldn't you, why wouldn't you play Landon on the right?
2: Because Landon, Landon I always thought was really good up the middle as well. Of like getting coming into those spaces and and getting those pockets. Yeah, he might not be as as tra- as transitional in terms of the press and the way the game is played now. But I do I do like him up up the midfield just his comfort on the ball. Man, it's been a while I, since I,
1: I've seen Landon, yeah, though. <laughs> yeah, you remember Landon in traffic, Get you know, similar to Christian. Take a couple – I think Landon was a, a little bit smarter in possession. He knew, okay, I can't take too many touches. He, he was mm-hmm. very – um, I think just his intelligence was supreme in terms of, okay, when can I take touches? When can I uh, – how do I combine? How, how do I break down defenses? So I think in in watching Landon at his best – is when he had space, like Christian, when he was isolated, making runs out of midfield. Um, so for me, in this with this current group, I play him as that wide uh, player. But you could also play him as a false nine. You I could. think I think he would be best with this group as the as the right winger, and then you have Clint up top playing yeah. that playing off him. Landon was fluid
2: too. Landed Landon. What I what what's what feels different now from this is it feels positional with this 2022 team. You never see Pulisic go to the other side, but I remember in the national team you'd see some flip flopping because a play would go on one side, or you know someone hits a is taking the corners and they'll play on that other side for a couple of minutes, and there was just a, a, a different dynamic when you'd move them around. And I always remember having wingers where sometimes you're like, okay, they're getting pushed to one side or the other; they're not effective. Let's switch them. And I don't like you can't move Pulisic. Pulisic is going to play in that same exact spot
0: every single time. yeah, and yeah. And, and that's that's something different. I'm gonna about Landon. I wanted to say that what I loved was his off the ball running. There were times where, whether in training with the national team or against each other absolutely. at the club level, where he would absolutely toast me with some run. His timing of his run was fantastic. He just wasn't always around players that could make the pass or even saw they could make the pass, maybe they just didn't see it. And, and uh, it felt a little unfair. For him because he just provided this dynamic that I didn't see with some of our players on a regular basis. And when he made that timed run and the player could make the pass, you were dead. You really didn't have anything. And his, to your point, his IQ for the game and his understanding of when to go and when to stay without the ball, I thought was always, always uh, sublime. And I feel like at times people are drawn more to Clint Dempsey because he had a little bit more of the sauce with the ball per se. But there was things that Landon did off the ball that I think uh, there's no other player in our pool that that could really touch hey, that on a consistent level.
2: Here's a, here's a, here's a question for for the, both of you actually. With our midfield, Moose McKinney Adams right now, and mm-hmm. 24 Looking at 2014, does right. you're saying Jermaine Jones would fit in there? Would Michael Bradley go in?
1: Jermaine Jones gets in that team. I, I don't care. He'll he'll play. I mean, like he was the, every, he was the, he, he was, was the best look,
2: in 2014 though. He was
0: like our best player. Literally,
1: uh, he, he would play in any lineup. But which spot
0: are. would you put him in? So who, who comes out? Musa, McKinney, Adams. Where does Jermaine Jones go? You put him at the six? Because I feel like sometimes mm, he's so yeah, eager he's, to go make plays. I think he's more of an eight. So I
1: think Musa's no, out. I, um,
0: I think you have to have no. somebody holding there because Beckerman was the guy holding for, for the U.S. in 14.
1: I think he takes McKinney out. Wow. Yeah, because you, you, Musa, uh, McKinney, and Jermaine just, play in that eight role. Box to box, you can't take Moose out because he's so different than. Oh, I'm than, remembering
2: yeah. Jermaine's runs with the ball in 2014. We got to get Jermaine so on the show. Good that. in 2014. I mean, he's a youth national team coach. We should get him on talking about our our, our youth team. So, yeah. Sorry, Charlie. I didn't J- 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 mean to interrupt. Was yeah. No, but, but yeah, yeah, he, he, was, was at, he was the best. A um,
1: monster. I mean, he he came towards the end of his career with the reps and he crushed it. He he dominated MLS. Mm-hmm. Jermaine was a freak of nature in the way that he tackled. He read the game well. He had so much quality, technical quality, that you would mm-hmm. say, what, I, I, you're a defensive midfielder. How can you do some of these things? He was, he was incredible. I don't think he gets enough credit, to be honest, uh, because we got him at a later uh, stage of his career because you know, ultimately he was trying to play for Germany. He couldn't get in, and then he realized, oh, this is an awesome opportunity to, to represent the U.S. and play in a World Cup, which every player dreams of, so why wouldn't you make the switch? But if we had Jermaine at a younger age and, and everyone got to witness him as as he grew, oh my gosh! But yeah, he would he would walk into this team. It wouldn't even be it wouldn't be a question. You maybe you maybe have to change the formation because if you want West on the pitch, Tyler Adams and Musa, then maybe you, you play with um uh, with a more you know 2014 style midfielder where you just everyone's going to run, <laughs> win the ball
0: all right question for everybody then whether you're listening to this on podcast hit us up on twitter iswt pod drop us a follow there as well we'd appreciate that if Jermaine Jones could play now where would you put him in the midfields would it be for Adams McKinney Musa? we heard from Charlie we're going to hear from Heath here about that let us know right now in the comments on YouTube after you hit like and subscribe so Heath where would Jermaine Jones slot in your midfield three
2: uh, yeah, I would agree. I think, I think him and him and McKinney have very, very similar skills. I'd probably put him in. He, Eunice Moose is a, a little bit different. Um, but Tyler Adams, I think is, is, is still sitting tight in there across. I mean, generationally, I'm, I'm curious to hear where, who, who in our past pushes Tyler Adams out of that six spot in terms of his quality. Cause we, we have had some good and, and different style of, of, of holding midfielders, but yeah, I would say Weston McKinney,
0: uh comes Pablo, out. Of Pablo Mastriani? I,
1: no, not Pablo. I would say prime Michael Bradley versus Tyler Adams now. Michael Bradley in okay. his prime. Okay.
0: What what year was that?
1: I'd say probably, his prime was when he went to Roma, wouldn't you say? That would be his prime.
0: Was that a two? I mean, that would have been 2012? that would have been around 2012, 11
1: 2012,
0: 2013.
1: I'd say after that 2010 World Cup. He started to come into his prime.
2: No, no, no. Roma no. had to be Roma had to be later because we're in 22 now and he's like six years into MLS. So it'd be it would have been
1: he came to Toronto in 2015.
2: Yeah. So maybe 2013, 14, I guess he would have gone to Roma because you only in Roma for what one and one season, one and a half seasons. Yeah. But I'd say that um, was
1: yeah. Kind of correlated when he was at his prime with the US. Okay. Like
2: this is this is the kind of guy who went to Roma and was like, I'm gonna I'd take say. De Rossi's job from him. And, and that's his mentality of a, of of, of, of of a, of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, so you think, you think Michael Bradley peak, Michael Bradley pushes uh, Tyler Adams out.
1: I, I'd, I'd say that's the discussion.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's move to center backs. We've done some midfield talk. We've obviously done some attacking talk. Matt Beasler and Jeff Cameron played in the 14 world cup. You have Oguchi and Yewu and Jada Merritt that started in, in mm-hmm. Carlos Bocanegra could be thrown in there too for 2010. Any five of those guys, Omar Gonzalez will throw him in there as well from 2014. Any of those guys getting into this 2022 team? Because we have some okay. holes at the center back position, Chuck. Yes. Or he. Uh, I th- Go ahead, I think, Charlie. I think,
1: I think all, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yeah. All of them. <laughs> I agree. All of them. <laughs> or, are we, no, we Jimmy, are you crazy? Come on, you're a center back. Center back? Let's be real.
0: I just thrown it to you guys first. I, I took up a lot of air time. I'm trying to be. I would the, say Omar uh, Gonzalez
2: is the one that's probably on par with with the rest of them in terms of his national Zimmerman. team career yeah. uh, with with Zimmerman. but. You talk about Boca Negra, uh, De Merit, Bocanegra. De Onye-woo? yeah, yeah.
1: on in direct, yeah. Four, Put him in now. Four, I just want to make sure hey, 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 all, even Jeff, Cameron,
2: Jeff Cameron was a really good center
0: back. He was so athletic, he could cover ground, he could pass the ball, he yeah, had really he, good feet as well. I think he's an Aaron Long. I think he's yeah. the Aaron Long of this group. He uh, is. Yeah, yeah. So so Jeff Cameron, my only only concern with Jeff Cameron was that he had instincts of always wanting to go forward. And I love that about him, except when we needed him to stay home and be disciplined. (laughs) Uh, And and that showed in the Belgium game in the round of 16 of 2014, where they took out Kyle Beckerman, put in Jeff Cameron, because Jürgen Klinsmann, and I quote, said he played against Marwan Fellaini a few times, and that's why he elected to start him over (laughs) Beckerman, which is insane, Uh. because... As a center-back, so you get used to having a holding midfielder in front of you for a certain amount of games, and you get comfortable with how he blocks passing lanes and how he supports you, and then you switch that for arguably the biggest game of the tournament. You know, I don't want to get into any any Jürgen Klinsmann slander. We can save that for another time, but <laughs> but uh, we, can have our, we can have him on the show. It would be fun to uh, rehash some of this stuff with old Jürgen Klinsmann. But I, f- I find – yeah, Cameron, not as much for me. Uh, Beesler, I think what I liked about Beesler really steady and obviously could hit the big switch. He's kind of like the John Anthony Brooks of the of the group, right? Um, in some capacity, that left footer with, with good ball skills. But I'm with you 100%. Demerit, uh, I think that that energy, that spirit, uh, always never say die, cover a ton of ground, talk about a great athlete. Aguchi Onyewu, Carlos Bocanegra, you got that experience. Those guys uh, have been around and seen some things. All three of those guys would slot into the team, I no Coach problem.
1: put David Villa and Fernando Torres in his back pocket. <laughs> I remember going into the game and go gooch you're you're my big brother i love you but this is this is torres and Villa. (laughs) like hey hey, charlie
2: to be fair though when we played against spain in 2008 gooch got beat by xavi and scored on the 80 second minute after we had one percent Xavi though (laughs) we had one we had one we had one percent possession that whole game i think i think (laughs) that's the lowest possession i've ever had i've
1: never been more amazed in my life on the pitch playing against someone then playing yeah. against Javi. Yeah, but that's when you clap. You when, 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 when they're clapping to
2: the fans, you're, cla- you're clapping with them to the fans. You're going like, <laughs> it's like the Harlem Globetrotters. You know, you're the other team. Like
0: you're part of the show. You go, wow, dude. I mean, levels. You, well, you, put, put, put some words behind it. Well, why? Because I feel
1: uh, because, a lot of people okay. they can
0: see Javi and understand it and watch his yeah. little you know highlight videos on YouTube set to EDM music or whatever. But <laughs> but what 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 is it when you're in person? Because I got to play against Zidane in person and in. You can well, you can you can but it's like to see it in person it's like just different. like this guy is yeah. unreal the weight of his passes
1: never looks troubled i don't even think he's mm-hmm. sweat well you know you, it's- you're talking about zidane in t- terms of aura just coming onto the pitch, and I, and I felt that with the 2007 argentine team when we did Copa america right yeah I, yeah they came out and said oh hollywood this is a hollywood team but the the against xavi on the pitch you know i'm I'm athletic. I feel like I could outrun anybody. I could I could muscle off anyone off the ball, especially when when they weren't expecting it. Mm-hmm. With Xavi for the entire time I was on the pitch, I I tried to like cheat one way, I tried to fake him out, I tried to anticipate, make him force him to his left foot, make him make him take more touches, he always was 5 steps ahead. Always. <laughs> always. And I said, "Okay, this is the time I'm going to get him." He'd take one touch. I'd say, OK, this is how I'm going to get him. He's going to take more, more touches. He, he would, Or he'd take one touch. He'd take two touches. He always <laughs> would drop his shoulder and throw me off. And I'm like, I'm so much quicker and faster than this guy, but I can't touch him. I could not touch him. He always found a way to create space for himself. And his head was on a swivel. And because he was always looking everywhere, you never knew where he was going to play the ball. And um, I think that unpredictability was what set him apart. His first touch was always, like, in, in a perfect direction. It was either stuck on his foot or was right by you. The first touch, that to just glide right by you, and you're just like, "It Man, is this, this guy's perfect. perfect. It is
0: so- something to, to be seen, I guess. I don't know if that's the right phrase of words, but when you're around a world-class player, you, you, you get to finally understand the definition of world-class because that mm-hmm. gets thrown around all the time. Even as us as players are coming through, are like, oh, that guy's got a little something to his game. And then, and then you actually see somebody who's got the complete package. And like that actually is world-class uh, Heath. Do you have any examples like that outside of Xavi? Did you go against, against Iniesta or anybody else that was world-class? You just like, God damn, this guy's amazing.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, thinking through just sort of the games playing against the young kind of Sergio Aguero, uh, in terms of the things that he did now, he didn't have like, a he didn't have like that quality that I mean obviously he's gone on to be a, an incredible goal scorer one of the best ever but like he didn't have like a certain technique or something to it but there was just the power and explosiveness that was just really hard to predict like the things that he did he did it full power um and so he he was one that that stood out to me and then you know thinking through the Argentina games thinking through I'm I'm just trying to think oh I remember Jimmy 2006 uh before the World Cup it was, I think, it was like actually, I know it, it was my sixth cap for the national team, and it was Germany uh, against Germany. And I remember coming in with 20 minutes left to play, and a cross going in, and Miko Bollock banging one home on a header uh, at the near post, and me thinking like, "Wow, like this is <laughs> this the power, the speed, the stadium? Like it was probably I, I, the emotions are. I'm I'm probably wrapping all into one single moment, but to see somebody at that occasion get up and just smash something home like that in front of a, a stadium I had never played in front of a big stadium before I'd never played where you can't hear each other and things like that and I remember that being a thing where I'm like wow like I've got all those times that I talked mess about how how Champions League looks easy to play you know and uh you know the game looks easy from there and there's time and teams are sitting back you go yeah no what I was hold
1: it was was there a moment for either of you where you played against someone that is held to to uh, in a high regard and you and you did well and you thought oh i i actually i can be at that level or i I could you know you you gave me the confidence to know hey i I can keep going that's a great question i should be yeah
0: i'll go first i had the chance uh luca tony in the world cup that guy's a brick house and i thought all right this guy's gonna try to manhandle me and he Played like Kenny Cooper. I know you guys will know what that means. Oh, man. no.
1: Don't do this to Kenny. He's just he's trying to wrap this <laughs> up.
0: I love Cooper Loop. Don't get me wrong. But And I'll even tell this to him. No, but you look face.
2: at Kenny and he, he should be a monster, but he's not a monster.
0: He like, he just likes to play. He likes to play. He doesn't want to be physical. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. I he's love Kenny strays. Cooper. Why <laughs> he's, he's catching strays for no I knew, reason. I
0: knew. No, I tried to. so you guys knew exactly what I was saying. Listen, I love Kenny Cooper. And, and he, when he sees this, he's going to be like, oh, Jimmy, come on, man. Why'd you give me a stray? He but He, a rap, he would
2: want to wrap you up. That was it. That was the only contact Kenny Cooper wanted to do. He wanted to wrap you up behind him, um, but he didn't want to get up for the headers and challenge on those things. No,
0: so. yeah, he didn't use his physicality like he probably could have. And then and then, uh, Raul playing against Real Madrid. Uh, as much as I appreciated his movement in and around the box he still needs a little bit of service to, to, to make that happen. Not to say he didn't get it because Beckham and Zidane and all Roberto Carlos were all out there, but R9 Ronaldo was ridiculous. Having to play against him for 90 minutes. I learned a lot about life, <laughs> not just the game, <laughs> oh,
1: <you laughs> but played, about you, you life. Did you against R9?
0: I did. I did. At the, so, so MLS had this like all-star team that they sent over to play against Real Madrid and the Bernabeu. It was like their first or last, um, their last game of preseason before they started the regular season. And it was the Galacticos, R9, Raul, Zidane, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, Iker Casillas, Sergio Ramos had just joined the team. The team was sick. And uh, what they told us, essentially another friendly team got um, a team that they asked had to drop out. And this is when Beckham was negotiating with Pepsi and whatever to come to MLS. And he hadn't come yet. So they said, oh, good an MLS all-star team over here. So it was me, Pablo Mastriani were the center backs, Frankie Haydick. Matt Reese was in goal. Charlie Joseph was in front of me. Jaime Moreno, Landon. Uh, it was a it was a crazy team. But we – we and Clint, we were there. Uh, we we showed up in Chicago on a Sunday and flew to Madrid and landed because there was an overnight flight, landed on Monday, went straight to the stadium to train. Stevie Nichol was the coach. And we played them the next night on Tuesday night. Mm. We got absolutely hammered. But I, I will say mm. that that 90 the minutes – it was 2-0 at half, and then I was it was 5-0 on the final <laughs> yeah. score. Zero. Five zero. You know, it loses
2: the rhythm after you make the sub, Charlie. You know, it's <laughs> totally, like it uh, totally. becomes more of a Dude, they brought, on Michael,
0: they brought on Michael Owen and Steve McManaman yeah. in the second half. Oh, Anyways, an incredible experience, but but just to be on the same field as those guys and to see how efficient they are when their movements. They don't waste energy, and I think I really appreciated those little things that as he said, you see it on TV, and they make it look so easy. You think, "Oh, this is not going to be a big deal." But when you get out there, you realize how much more difficult yeah. it is. That, that,
1: you, I mean, you're talking about you played against one of the greatest teams of all time. All time, all yeah. time. Yeah. Like, yeah. And we had like top, a day and a half. Top for five of all time <laughs> for
2: <club>. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, 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 would say for for me to answer quickly was where I felt like, oh wow, I could, I think I can compete at this level. Was playing against Spain and Santander where I had David Silva and Sergio Ramos who was who was a right back be, still at the time he was a, he hadn't moved to being a center back and Sergio Ramos just overlapped every time David Silva driving inside and it was just me out on an island just having to figure it out and I remember thinking like oh man I I laid out for a tackle one time and David Silva like faked the cross. And then all of a sudden I was able to, I was able to recover and get to it. But I like went, I laid down for this like block and he was still like, where are you going, man? Like stand up. Uh, And, and then getting through the game of having both these players come at me at, at the end of it, even though we ended up losing one nil, I remember thinking like, okay, yeah, like there's something to, to like, I think I can compete with these guys. Now, obviously they had a different level of quality, but that was a. Uh, just sort of a validator for me of not feeling like completely overwhelmed by 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 top players because there were the, some of those moments and always in the Mexico games where you feel that aura right where you're like man that's Gio dos Santos that's you know you know Rafa Marquez all these guys that are like because it's I, I'm I'm assuming U.S. Mexico Jimmy has a little bit of that World Cup feeling where it's like it's in your head for days and weeks and it's like all you talk about and it's consumed in the locker room it's consumed in the meal rooms it's like endless stress on your head about this thing. Um, and I'm, I i can't imagine what the World Cup is like, but like that's, well, that's it's, how I'm...
0: it's interesting that you say that because that first five or 10 minutes is really important to kind of feel like you 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 belong out on the field, like the pass that you make, even if it's a simple pass, just like, all right, I can run with these guys because you've already seen five or 10 minutes of how they're going to play, what they're looking for, mm-hmm. where they're looking to create space. And um, Charlie, yeah,
2: you're fascinating. Who's, who's your who's your uh, the time that you played? That you, 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 it, it, it would be
1: up. Spain, Carlos Puyo. And I remember, you know, I, I was, this was probably the ga- the defining match for me in Confederations Cup semifinal,
2: team. right? Just for, yes. for context.
1: So 2009, we're, we're playing Spain and you know, Sergio Ramos is the right back, and Carlos Puyo is uh, the, the right center back. And he was man marking me. I felt like for the most of the most of the match, um, Villa was the left back, and I'm not sure. Oh, and, and PK was the other center back. So ah. PK and Puyol, Casillas in goal. And m- going into the match, uh, you know, Del Bosque was saying how you know this this striker for the US that they have, this nine, has a lot of pace, and he likes to stretch, and he's a game changer for them because he gives them that that different element. And so I knew I had to give something else in this match. It can't be just speed. You you have to, you have to be dynamic. You have to figure out different ways to to have success against a team like Spain, because you're not going to have the ball. And if they drop in behind, then what are you going to do? So I remember there was a couple balls played deep uh, in, in our midfield to me. And it's, it's me versus Puyol. And Puyol is coming full steam ahead, barging into me. And I won a couple of headers. And I said, oh my, I'm, I'm on the, <laughs> the air. And then I was able to take down a couple of balls with him hitting me from behind. And I knew I was I was really into it and in his head when he started to kick me off the ball and he's like cursing at me. And he's hitting me off the ball and he's going he's yelling in my ear. And all of those things uh, gave me more energy because I know I knew I was winning I was winning the mental match and I was winning the actual performance within the game. And so those are the type of moments that gives gives those uh, players energy and also the belief that you can be at a certain level. I think after that match, I, I told myself I could be a top striker in the world. I could be... Playing in Champions League, I can be scoring goals. And, and you know, I saw a comment in here saying Landon was soft, you know, at the age of, of the same age as Gio Reyna. He went back, you know, from Leverkusen to MLS because he couldn't hang. I would also say, did you watch Landon in that tournament? Because in the final, he cut, uh, I forget which player, oh, Ramirez, to score that goal to put us up 2-0. That was world class. We're talking about a FIFA final against Brazil. And Landon showed up. And, and Clint showed up. Uh, you know, the whole tournament, because yeah. I think he took uh, bronze ball, maybe. But
2: hey, and also, yeah. Charlie, just to give context for anybody that that doesn't know, this is this is Spain who who goes on to win the World Cup. This is Spain who who um, were at 30. I think it was 39 games unbeaten, which is uh, maybe was just recently broken as a, as a record uh, by maybe it was Italy or something like that. Uh, this is this is uh, the team that had just had you know Puyol and Pique had just gone back a, a season before from Manchester United to Barcelona and become a, a massive star where they went on to win I think the double things like that. This this period of time was Spain and so to put it into context for your performance against them, us beating them. In in the semifinal, and then your your belief it's it's a massive deal. It's not like Spain throughout a period of time where Spain was kind of weak. This is like the
0: biggest the biggest win in U.S. men's national team history.
1: Oh, for sure. I yeah, mean, it's a, a FIFA a, tournament a, semifinal, and right. And it was also on my birthday in 2000. <laughs> there we oh, go. Um, Man, There it was. Hey, look at that. Uh, yeah. But I, I I will also say, you know, in these type of games. The, the, the final, the semifinal, you talk about experience and, and how that helped kind of shape what the US is capable of. I think after that tournament, the supporters, the players in particular, I think we all realize we can win a World Cup. We're not that far off. Yes, tactics have to play a big role in us winning those games because if you're looking on paper, you go, oh, this guy's starting for Madrid and this guy's starting for Chelsea, and you can go down the, the line. But in terms of belief and tactics, we still have enough quality to win those type of games. But again, it comes down to coaching. I thought Bob Bradley had a fantastic tactical game plan for for Spain and Brazil. I think we beat ourselves uh, for that second half against Brazil in that tournament Mm -hmm. because we we took our foot off the gas. But um, yeah, I I felt like in my position, most strikers were the Brian Chings of the world, the Connor Casey's, the taller target strikers. And I was a little bit different. And and so I, I felt like I had to add their game to to mine to, to really uh, excel. All
0: right, that is fantastic insight. I love story time with Chuck and Hollywood Heath. We're gonna take our first and only break of in soccer. We trust, but when we return, we're gonna talk a little bit about England and their 2010 team versus the one that they have now. And if any of those players from 2010 could fit in this 2022 roster, don't go anywhere.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
0: Welcome back to <laughs> It's Stocker We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad, also known Cream as Cheese Cream Cheese. Conrad. Yep. For everybody that's listening on podcast form, you don't get to see the Paramount Plus commercials that we're rolling here on the YouTubes. But there's a mockumentary coming out about an eSports player named Cream Cheese. And these two chumps have started calling me Jimmy Cream Cheese Conrad. That's okay. I've given them nicknames (laughs) as well. Charlie, Chuck, Wagon, Davies, Hollywood, Heath Pierce with you guys. Hit like and subscribe. Anywhere you're getting this and enjoying this type of content, we appreciate your support as always as we build up this community as we lead into the 2022 World Cup. Let's talk about one of our opponents, though, Mr. Cream Cheese here. And for those that can't see it, I have a sign behind me that says it's not coming home, and I signed it Cream Cheese. So that's me putting my flag in the ground that England are not going to win the world cup though they feel like they should since they got to the semifinals of the world cup in 2018 and got to the final of the euros in 2020 and now that's like their next step it's not going to happen but let's take a look back keith i'll come to you first the 2010 team that played us to a 1-1 draw had emil heskey starting up top aaron lennon frank lampard uh wayne rooney ashley cole john terry robert green uh sean wright phillips started that game Steven Gerrard, Ledley King, Glenn Johnson, they're okay. When I start to think about these names, maybe the (laughs) midfield stands out, right? Because you have, it looks like you have uh, Lampard and Gerrard, who I don't know if they played well together, but they're both obviously very decorated Mm -hmm. players. And then you have Rooney floating around underneath Emil Heskey. I mean, that's pretty formidable in terms of their attack. I wonder if any of these 2010 players, though, could fit on this 2022 team. Maybe maybe Ashley Cole back instead of whoever they have. I mean, Rooney, Rooney, okay, sorry, Rooney. Yes, Rooney's, Rooney's got to be in Rooney's there. He's
1: playing. Maybe the uh, midfield.
0: One, well, maybe one of Lampard yeah, John, or, John Terry's playing. Yeah, over yeah, Stones.
1: John Terry's hundred percent playing. Over McGuire,
0: probably over McGuire. Yeah. Ashley, I mean, Ashley Maguire. Cole. <laughs> Ashley, Cole's,
1: <laughs> Ashley Cole's walking into this team. Okay, he's yeah. playing over Luke Shaw.
0: Luke Shaw. Over, so four, Terry uh, over McGuire. Luke Shaw over. Excuse me, uh, Ashley Cole over Shaw Luke or
1: Chilwell, right on the left side, and. Ashley Cole's walking into that.
0: So, right now, the bookies in England are saying that Mount Rice and Foden will start in midfield and that Grealish, Kane, and Sterling will be the front three. I feel like Rooney's got to be in that front three somewhere or in the middle. And then Gerard or Lampard, would those guys get in over Mount and Rice? One of them, I think, would. Yeah. For sure.
1: Gerard. I'm
0: saying, I don't know. Lampard didn't always kill it for the national team. No, but Gerard no, is. But,
1: I'm, both but of them. Lampard's Lampard and Gerard yeah. is Gerard. And, yeah. and, 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 I know. And, I'm, know. I'm
0: just trying to throw it out there.
2: to. Yeah. Again, no, no, no. this is, but this is a, a, it's hard because you're taking the entirety and this is going back to, okay, peak Michael Bradley versus Tyler Adams. Like Tyler Adams got five years till he's peak, right? So we might see a better Tyler Adams than a Michael uh, Bradley. Good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. Michael Bradley, we're, 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 we're in hindsight of what that was. So you, we, we are taking the best moments and putting that against Tyler Adams, who's going through that sort of, uh, growth curve right now and so it's hard to it's hard to say where mason mount ends up in the grand scheme of things or phil foden where he ends up in the grand scheme of things but lampard and gerard and in, in hindsight because we're taking the sample that we want from that they've got to be on the field in, in in this current team
0: and then we got carrie kane though starting though no matter what like Hesky, who actually set up a great had a great assist to gerard in, our, in the goal against us that's 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 a Hesky That's not the meme Hesky. That was still Hesky at a at a pretty decent level, Chuck. But but Kane Kane's going to be your automatic starter. So who's on either side of him? If you have Rooney, I, I'm just kind of curious if we kind of mash up this team because it's interesting. It's always tough to compare generations of players, but but uh, that's what we're doing today. It's a Friday Fun Day.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if you had Kane, then Rooney and. Foden at this point, I think Phil Foden is is the top uh, player out of Sterling, Saka, and Mount. Uh, I think Foden has kind of set, separated himself from from the bunch because um, Phil Foden is just he's quality, and, and Pep Guardiola could just continues to push him and, and help him develop. So, I'd say Kane, Rooney, and and Phil Foden would be the front three. That's a that's an unbelievable front <laughs> three, by the way. Yeah, because yeah, Heskey's not playing. Milner's on um, you know playing in, in that front three and and Lennon, Aaron Lennon was the starting in twenty ten. Um, right. so yeah. Then you still you wonder what, what Jude Bellingham will, will turn into. I mean, he he's still on this like rapid rise. And I, I don't think he's even come close to, to his ceiling. And what a what what a talent. So, you know, Saka, Jude Bellingham, um I think Sterling has already peaked. I think he's coming, coming down. You uh, know, they're already Rumored that he's going to be, make a move to Chelsea, um, which which could happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a uh, they have a lot of talent, but I, I would say our talent, you know, is is also um, we have a lot of depth, a lot of stronger players who are still on the rise. Again, these next six months are going to be crazy um, important for us. the The health of Gio Reyna, you know, mm-hmm. what does Timothy Wea do because you know he's been linked with Valencia and maybe does he move up to, to the, to the nine spot, Jonathan, David's still at Leo. So, but also that growth curve, play.
2: Charlie, the growth, like our players are young enough that six months is a lifetime in their careers, yes. right? We're not talking about just health. We're talking about development. Six months is, is, you know, a, a double digit percentage of these guys' professional careers. Um, and so the growth curves of them could be could be absolutely massive versus again our, our previous teams where we're talking about players in their peak it's like can we stay healthy you know playing time or not you kind of had your team whereas these guys we've seen the rise of them go through these challenges it's a pretty big deal these next few months so
1: i think serginio serginio dust stands the biggest um opportunity to improve if he stays at barca and he plays under under xavi because i think just from a tactical standpoint and a decision-making standpoint, he's going to grow considerably playing at Barca. And that will really help the U.S. National team at the World Cup.
0: Yeah, 100%. I'm looking at, and speaking, go back to England very quickly. They played four games in that June window. <laughs> they lost to Hungary 1-0. They drew with Germany 1-1, 0-0 with, with Italy, and then lost to Hungary 4-0. And... I wonder, we're going to have special guests. The reason I bring up England again because Julian Lescott, former England international, is going to be joining us next week as our special guest. Look forward to uh, getting in some insight from him. He's just been coaching the U21s with the three Lions, and he's going to have a lot of insights on what they're going to look like moving forward. We're also working on Daniel Sturridge to come on the show as well. He can Another resident number nine that Charlie can have a counterpart. He's actually in Boston, Charlie. I should connect you guys because yes. uh, I think he's just hanging out to make that happen. But do you think England has anything to be worried about? and Charlie I'll come back to you birthday boy with only scoring one goal in their last four games their two games in September are Italy away and Germany at home Mm -hmm. and they still have some issues and and even though they have all this promise and they're dealing with always the, the expectations that the country expects them to bring it home and win the competition they're not free from figuring out a way to not score. They're not scoring right now. So I'm kind of curious. Is that something they should be worried about or it's just like, whatever.
1: No, I I don't think so. But come, come come September and they're still in the same spot. I I would say, yes, I think their success as, as a lot to do with, with their performances. Now long season, their success expectations are super high. I -hmm. think maybe the concentration levels weren't there. Uh, maybe they took their foot off the gas a little bit because they're feeling themselves. This is kind of a, a one of those moments that gets everybody to kind of say, "Okay, let's let's get back to what we're doing to to put ourselves in a good position to win a World Cup because that's ultimately what this group is trying to do. So um, they have the quality to do it. So the World Cup is is all about chances and making the most of it. So uh, right, I think right. I would not put too much stock into to England's recent performances. If cool. if anything, it's gonna allow them to refocus and and get uh, in the the right mind frame for for a World Cup.
0: Yeah, they got Iran first. That game is going to be on November 21st, and that'll kick off at 8 a.m. Pacific, obviously, or excuse me, Eastern time. So we're all going to be pretty eager to see how they do in their first game, and I'm sure their whole country will be feeling the same. Because as we've discussed already, winning that first game is of the utmost importance. It definitely increases your odds of getting through. All right, let's get into final thoughts for this Friday fun day all over the shop, and that's just the way that we like it here on a Friday. Heath, I'll come to you first. Any final thoughts about anything we discussed or anything you want to maybe touch upon that we haven't discussed yet so far?
2: Uh, no, I mean, it's just, just a reminder that, that uh, generationally we've had a lot of talent in our national teams and, and positions. I think this group, again, is probably collectively more talented than any generation we've had, but again, when you're putting that up into, when you're throwing that into a World Cup and talent doesn't mean anything if the experience can't sort of translate. And we've always had experience come World Cup time. So this is a unique timing where it's not 2002, where it's you know uh, Landon Donovan and and um, and um, Demarcus Beasley are sort of breaking onto the scene as your breakout young stars. This is a team of young stars, uh, but still lack that that experience of World World Cups.
0: Okay, my final thought. Happy birthday to Charlie Davies and his. 15 houses and his 10 yachts, and everything else he's got going on. We appreciate you, Mr. Charlie Davis. Yeah,
2: those curtains are very, very nice in the
0: background. Very, very, very expensive. expensive. Somebody said Charlie's about to catch some Pokemon with that
2: hat that he's got on, which I love as well. Uh, There's a a Pikachu outside. So, yeah, thank Uh, you.
0: you. Charlie (laughs) got that from the
2: Stranger Things gift shop. It's sick. I love (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Charlie, Charlie, we'll let you have the last final thought before we say goodbye to everybody. What do you got for us on your Uh, birthday?
1: i love spending time with you guys on my birthday even though it's tomorrow let's go um (laughs) i I think one of my biggest takeaways was you guys calling kenny cooper soft-serve ice cream i did Um, not i did not say that unbelievable that he's he's catching strays hey that was cream cheese (laughs) that
2: wasn't me that was cream cheese.
1: cream cheese absolutely (laughs)
2: hammered
1: him (laughs) we all know he was for the record he was really he was like melted (laughs) chocolate Um, uh, incredible uh, you know what I want you to not have a final thought
0: anymore that's uh, you know, I did not say that uh, that is terrible alright uh, we're calling it a show and soccer we trust is over everybody so on behalf of producer Des, producer Alex Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies Mr. Birthday Boy himself and Hollywood Heath Pierce I'm Jimmy Conrad saying thank you for listening and watching and we'll see you next week for three of more amazing shows including and Lescott England internationally joined us we'll see you then later